Today's episode of Market Talk is brought to you by Growmark FS. Keeping up on the latest in ag is a challenge, to say the least. But there are experts nearby ready to help. You'll find them at your local FS. You can trust them to bring you customized agronomic, grain, and energy solutions born of the latest thinking. That's because FS specialists receive continuous training that keeps them current on the latest trends, practices, and technologies. So you'll get local expertise that's both exceptional and up-to-date. Visit FSSystem.com to learn how FS is bringing you what's next. Bringing you the ag information you need, this is Market Talk. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. We saw some positive money flow in the grain trade, not so much in livestock on Wednesday as we gear up for the January USDA reports on Thursday. Welcome to Market Talk. Thanks for joining us here today. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Great to be here with you once again, as always, as we talk about the markets and issues impacting rural America. Got a very busy show on tap for you here today. Coming up, we're going to talk markets analysis with Mike Zuzalo of Global Commodity Analytics. Also going to be joined uh, for a little bit at the end of the show by Brian Doherty, Senior Market Advisor at Total Farm Marketing. Brian normally joins us on Thursdays, but he is going to be unavailable on Thursday. So we are going to catch up with him a little bit here today at the end of the show. So a couple of our uh, very trusted analysts going to be here on the show today to discuss the markets ahead of the January World Agricultural Supply and Demand Estimates Report, which again are due out on the day Thursday, we have the quarterly grain stocks numbers out there. Really just uh, this big data dump from USDA coming up on Thursday. And it's uh, it gives us a good reason to really just look at the big picture. It's a lot of things big picture wise from South American weather, wheat futures and a longer term downtrend uh, trading below levels seen just before the Russian invasion of Ukraine. We have China's reopening as well. Another big key issue. And also, of course, just gearing up for this spring planting season in the U.S. where we're planting arguably the most expensive crop we've ever planted. So a lot of things to look at big picture wise. We're going to get into some of those here today on the show as well. Again, coming up, Mike Zuzalo, Brian Doherty joining us later on in the program. Kicking things off, though, taking a look at the markets. We catch up with Arlen Suderman, chief commodities economist at Stone X. Talk to Arlen around midday on Wednesday. As we saw at the grain trade, relatively mixed to higher positive money flow there, livestock a bit lower. We talked to Arlen about the uh, general tone of the markets ahead of the USDA reports and more coming up on Thursday, starting with the grain trade. Here's Arlen Suderman of StoneX. Yeah, it's in the backdrop of generally positive money flow today. And uh, so we're seeing stocks a little bit higher. We're seeing crude oil up about 3% as we're talking uh, and the grain and oil seeds are kind of benefiting from that as well. Now, we do have the big USDA report coming out tomorrow, as you indicated. It's the biggest report of the year. I mean, there's more data in this report than any other report all year long. So the odds of a surprise somewhere are certainly there. It's just where will those surprises be and how significant will they be and in what direction will they be in? Uh, but the overall bias seems to be positive overall, I think, as we start the new year and uh, seeming to focus on anticipation that the Federal Reserve is going to be 
flipping its position or pivoting its position this year, allowing the U.S. economy to improve. China is going to be coming out of COVID, and all that's going to translate into improved demand for commodities. Fundamentally, there's not a lot changed today. Uh, we do have some end user buying in here on the recent dip in prices, um, but overall, it's just kind of a, a positive money flow day. One thing that doesn't seem like it'll be a surprise coming up tomorrow that's maybe lending us a little support is the Argentina weather situation. Just so dry down there right now, Arlen, and that seems to be uh, one point that traders are definitely keeping an eye on here uh, with uh, day-to-day moves in, in the weather forecast down in South America. Yeah, this is something we've been watching closely ever since the growing season started back in October. Well, with the third year of La Nina causing more of a dry trend over Argentina, they are getting rains, but those rains are underperforming and they're mixed with extreme heat. And so overall, we're seeing stress and our reports that we're getting from the ground in Argentina is that the corn crop which has a long planting period that started last uh, fall and well, spring for them uh, back in October, November uh, with the first quarter of the crop. That's already in grain fill, and that's had severe damage to it. But the last quarter of the crop's just being planted now or rowing up in the field um, coming up. So uh, it's got a lot of potential yet. But overall, we think there's going to be significant losses that are going to show up, maybe a little bit in Thursday's crop report, more so in the next couple of crop reports. Soybeans have been hurt as well, but soybeans have that ability. They were planted later, and they have that ability to to respond to late, you know, those late rains coming in. Um, and so it's a little bit too early to get too pessimistic on the soybean production. We've got a big crop in Brazil coming on that they can move down the Paraná River to crush down there. But uh, overall, the drought's still pretty bad and going strong. And in the livestock trade, not necessarily seeing the positive money flow there. I know in the case of February hogs, I know there's been a chart gap that we've been maybe trying to fill. Uh, your thoughts in the livestock trade and just some of the uh, lower activity in hogs and cattle here today? Yeah, the lean hog futures contract has not been a friend of the funds of late. And uh, uh, we've seen a big loss there, largely as the cash market and the product market have been eroding lower as well. Uh, with eroding demand and, and larger supplies. When we look at the cattle market, it's been a little bit different story. We are pulling back today. Uh, we had a weak finish yesterday after sharply higher at one point, uh, and that's a little bit disappointing to the market. Overall, not a lot happening in the cash market this week. Um, generally, early indications are at least steady on the cash market this week, um, but uh, feeling the pressure of those higher feed prices. And again, that's comments and analysis with Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist at StoneX, talking with him around midday on Wednesday. Well, a new Bank report projects that China's soybean imports will slow down and eventually decline through 2030 as a result of slower livestock production growth, continuous improvement in farming practices, and more importantly, widespread adoption of a low soy meal inclusion ratio in feed formulas nationwide. China's the world's largest soybean importer, accounting for over 60% of global trade. With soybean imports mainly driven by crushing for feed production, future imports will primarily be influenced by the outlook for feed demand and the soy meal inclusion rate in feed rations. 
Leah Chang, senior analyst, grains and oil seeds at Rabobank, says, quote, we expect that Chinese feed consumption will maintain low single-digit growth. However, the inclusion rate of soy meal and feed rations is projected to drop as the Chinese government is launching a soy meal reduction campaign aimed at lowering the dependence on imported soybeans to ensure food security, end quote. The reduction of soybean inclusion in feed will also create opportunities for startups to develop new technologies and novel ingredients as well. And the projected slowdown and eventual reduction in China's soybean imports will have profound impacts on the entire global supply chain and reshape global trade flows, according to the Rabobank report. Definitely an interesting report there from Rabobank. It's something to watch here as we work through the uh, years in front of us here. Really going to be interesting to see how the global dynamics work. And we've already been seeing some of that shifting of the uh, global deck chair, so to speak, with trade when it comes to China, the U.S., South America, etc. Well, coming up here, we are going to talk more about the markets later in the show. Brian Doherty of Total Farm Marketing. But coming up next, we'll be joined by Mike Zuzalo of Global commodity analytics we will talk about the markets and more on the way after the break back with more market talk right after this stay up to date and listen to past episodes online at markettalkag.com now, back to Market Talk with Jesse Allen. Well, as we take a look at the market, trade positive money flow was seen in grains on Wednesday. Moderate gains seen throughout corn, soybeans, and wheat. Livestock were a little bit lower. We saw crude oil up uh, around 2%. The uh, stock market was up a little bit as well on the day. Overall, just again, a fairly okay day. One day ahead of the January USDA reports, the WASDE and the quarterly grain stocks. Here to walk us through what he's seeing in the markets right now, our good friend Mike Zuzalo, Global commodity analytics is with us and mike good to have you uh, with us once again this week sir i hope you're doing well and hopefully you are uh, you are as ready as i am for usda's big data dump on thursday <laughs> I, I always pick out a good movie and a good book before a usda report i think i'm gonna have to do at least two movies and maybe a full book because i just don't think i'm gonna sleep this next 24 hours here jesse until we see these numbers because so much is at stake right now with the markets very true. Well, and typically this January set of reports is the biggest report of the year, traditionally anyway. And, and it seems like it's going to be that way this year. I just There's so much at stake here, as you said, Mike. As we take a look, just in general, looking at the markets, the grain action first on Wednesday and how that correlates in. I know there's a lot of factors in the backdrop here, South American weather, etc., what are your thoughts here? Let's just jump right into this. What are your feelings here ahead of this report? Yeah, I, I felt like that the wheat market finally felt a little bit more of the sensitivity with the outside markets. And that's really crucial with these USDA numbers because th what I drew up for you and the viewers today, Jesse, was the copper market against the soft red wheat futures. And then the red line below, maybe the most important of the three lines, is the 20-week correlation, the price relationship between those two lead month futures. And we've gone from almost 80 to 90% positive as of July, August, September of last year to about 76% negative 
in price action on a weekly basis, on a 20-week basis. And the only time I can find that we've done this type of price action where one goes one direction and the other goes another direction is back in early 2019. But even there, that only lasted for about 60 days and it was nothing close to what we're experiencing right now where the copper is following the crude oil, which is following the Asian market strength, kind of surprising Asian market strength, if you will, and, and a continued weaker dollar, stronger Chinese currency, and strengthening Brazilian currency at the end of Wednesday's trade. All of a sudden, we're seeing this copper move back up to levels not seen since June of last year, while the wheat just continues to be flushed and rallies are sold, soft red being led down by the hard red. So this is a key issue for me and has been. I'm hoping that this comes in and supports, these macro factors comes in and supports this market all the way through USDA's numbers tomorrow. Well, before we get to the number estimates that you have, I know another issue that we're watching in this trade overall, South American weather. I'm going to pull up. This is a, a map on the video screen you provided for us as well. Look at that precipitation forecast, Argentina, Brazil. I know there's been a lot of dryness at Argentina, a lot of concern, a lot of thought in the trade that USDA will start making cuts to Argentina production on Thursday's report. Brazil's still looking fairly good, though. What's your thoughts with the South American weather situation and how that's tying in? My thoughts are very simple based upon this three-day model map and, and precip forecast. And where the blue dot is, is Rio Grande do Sul. And that's one of the driest, one of the largest areas of South, southern Brazil in terms of production and, and one of the driest this year and could uh, bring down overall production if they don't get necessary rains. But when you look from west to east on this map, Cordoba, Santa Fe, and then the blue dot of Rio Grande do Sul, Santa Maria, I believe is what that is, um, you see a real shift. These are the driest areas of the last five months. Now, all of a sudden, we're seeing those southern Brazil rains start to sneak deeper into southern Brazil and into northern Argentina. This really puts pressure on the soy complex for the USDA numbers to support the soybean rally that we've seen since last month. And the fact that the meal market is only about $20 a ton from checking a 12-year high, that 521 level that we got up to several months ago, that was an 11-year high. So if we take that level out, and get into that 525 area in, in front-end meal, you'd be talking about a 12-year high in that meal market. So I think you're really at a point, and this is probably the most concerning feature to the USDA report for me tomorrow, is feeding the bull in the soybean complex because we may lose a half a million to a million metric tons in Argentina, but we may just gain that right back plus some more in Brazil just based upon what uh, USDA may look at on their uh, on their crop uh, satellite data. So net, net for me, Jesse, I need to stay below a 102, 102 million metric ton ending stocks number for the world soybeans. If we go 103 plus, I don't think it justifies $15 uh, soybeans. Well, let's look at some of the uh, estimates here. And this is uh, a look at uh, the, the various estimates we'll have for tomorrow's report. Uh, any thoughts with what you're seeing with some of those pre-report estimates, Mike? Yeah, covered the, the world ending stocks for soybeans. And so I am above 103. And that, that would concern me if I'd actually see that. Um, the, the opposite of that would be the U.S. wheat supplies. We came in at 571 last month, Jesse. My modeling data would suggest 
at a 571 carryover, soft red wheat should be closer to 980 to $10 a bushel in the futures market. And yet we see the DTN uh, cash index for soft red wheat all the way down at $7. And the futures market just got done checking 720 this week in soft red. Even the USDA is above $9 in their average price. And so taking the highs that we made and the recent lows that we made, we should be done going down if we only have a 571 or lower carryover on tomorrow's report. What I think this market has done in the last 30 days, especially in the hard red, it's reflected in the wheat market, the European futures, the world supply demand, and, and declining demand. It's not reflected the U.S. supply and demand. So I'm hoping between the U.S. supply demand numbers, the winter wheat seedings numbers, and then coming in at like a 268, 269 world wheat ending stocks number, we see a lot more reason for the wheat to find some short covering. And that's where, again, those macro markets seem like they're trying to support us here. Well, and thinking of those macro markets and energies as well, you also uh, brought me the weekly uh, WTI crude oil continuation chart, and I'll pull that up on the video. And we've talked before about this crude oil market and how it's playing itself into the commodity trade, kind of a canary in the coal mine type here. What are, what's the latest you're seeing with crude oil? Because to me, it still keeps hovering in this 70 to $80 range and just can't move one way or another out of this range right now, Mike. That's an excellent point. I, and we're probably going to look at this each week because I did show you this last week. We had that big down week last week, that last red bar where we made a new three-week low and we're going after, we were going after that $70 level it looked like. But then all of a sudden, the Asian markets turned higher, Hong Kong equities, Chinese currency, and then the, the dollar fell and all of a sudden the crude oil lit up. And now we're starting to see a real turn in the crude oil. But if you look at this weekly chart, it's an inside week, which means we've not taken out the weekly high nor the weekly low from last week. So we're not doing anything technically good or bad. And we still haven't broken above that channel, that purple downtrending channel. That's what we need to break back up above in that, in that resistance level. And so a weekly close this week at $80 or higher I think would probably pull the dollar into a, a level below its long-term support. And all of a sudden you would have to, you'd probably find the mindset in the trade that, wait, look at this. We've got Asia back. We've got China back. Let's start buying commodities again. So you're exactly right. The, the crude oil is our best canary in the coal mine right now. It feels like to me as well, with all these different factors playing in, we're kind of on this this seesaw. We're on the edge of maybe a, a small cliff, so to speak. I'm not going to call it a big cliff, but it's like we're teetering one way or another. And if too many things go one way, we're going to go down. Or too many things go one way, we're going to go up. That That's the feeling I have going into this report right now, Mike. I think you're right on, and I think the charts show that. You know, we've talked about those commodity index charts and the wedges, the triangles that are forming. There are probably a dozen charts out there that I could pull up right now, Jesse, that are forming that same type of triangle based upon multi-month highs and multi-month lows. These are big wedges. These are big triangles on some of these weekly and monthly charts. So I think you're right on the money with feeling that something's going to give one way or the other. I, I think if you take a step back and you think about that crude oil chart and you think about going above $80 a barrel, if we would do that this week, at the end of this week, that would be upon the World Bank giving us a new world economic outlook for this, this current year of only plus 1.7 for the whole world, less than 2% growth. 
that's almost half of where it was back in June when it came out with a 2023 estimate for world growth. And so I really feel as though that if we can go above $80 in crude with that kind of information, the trade will have chosen the idea that China is going to recover faster and COVID will not sink the global economy, won't sink the global commodity demand like we're seeing reflected in the hard red wheat especially. Well, again, that is Mike Zuzalo with Global Commodity Analytics, our guest here on the show right now today. And we are going to continue our conversation with Mike coming up after the break. I know we're going to dive more into the livestock markets as well. The money flow was not as good there on the day Wednesday. Also coming up here as we get to the break, I'll take a look at some of the closing numbers we saw on the day Wednesday. Again, I mentioned livestock were a bit lower, but again, grains, corn, beans, wheat up moderately. Beans and wheat cored up slightly on the session crude oil up a little over two percent as well on the day we're going to talk more about the market trade coming up after the break again as we continue with more market talk with mike zuzalo of global commodity analytics back with more right after this why are more people heating their homes with fs propane because it's better to work with a company that lives and works in the same community that you do When it comes to the comfort of your family, trust FS. We have highly trained service professionals who monitor your system for proper operation, safety, and maximum efficiency so you can be sure that FS Propane will leave your family with a good, warm feeling all season long. Contact your local FS Propane specialist today. FS Propane feels like home. Visit fspropane.com for more information. Keeping you informed with the latest market information for your operation. This is Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. Welcome back to Market Talk. Jesse Allen with you here. Before we get back to Mike Zuzalo and our conversation with him, let's look at some of the closing numbers from Wednesday. March corn finished up one, 656. July corn up a half penny, 648 and a half. Soybeans, March up eight, 1493. July up six and a quarter, 1497 and three quarters. March bean meal up 570 a ton, 47460. March bean oil down 46 points, 6211. March Chicago wheat up 9740. July up eight, 752 and a quarter. March Kansas City wheat up 10 and a half, 822 and a quarter. March spring wheat up four and three quarters, 899 and a quarter. February live Cattle unchanged, 157.75. April down 32, 161.32. Feeder cattle for January down 117, 183.12. March down 95, 185.55. And in hogs, February down 50, 79.30. April down 112 at 88.40 on the day, Wednesday. Mike Zuzalo, Global Commodity Analytics, is our guest analyst here today on Market Talk. And Mike, uh, another thought here, just in this grain trade overall, heading into a big report day, is there any thoughts you would have, anything just in general for producers to maybe protect some risk here? Should they be looking at doing some of that, some short-dated options, uh, different things? I know there's a lot of tools in the toolbox. Is there anything they should be thinking about here heading into this report? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the, the big thing I'm watching is going to be the soybeans, as I talked about, Jesse, not just because of where they've got a premium in them from the weather market, but also you look at $15 cash. I think that's where the DTN cash index is right now in beans. If you did 60 bushel yields last year, you're talking about 850 almost $900 of, of acre revenue. And you, I think you have a market structure with the meal inverted and premium in the January, which is getting ready to go off the board in a day and a July no bean spread that's still pushing about a dollar premium in the July. 
if the USDA comes out with a bearish, a price negative report tomorrow, I would think you'd see those spreads start to collapse. So I think it could go after some short dated options like a March soybean put, like a $15 put or a 1460 put. And that would be, I think, almost as good a protection as going out into the new crop just because of the structure of this market right now. So that's what I'm going to be talking with clients about tomorrow after I see these numbers. If I indeed do get that 103 uh, ending stocks number in the world and I see Cordoba and Santa Fe, Argentina getting some rains. All right, Mike, let's flip over to livestock. The uh, The positive money flow wasn't in livestock on Wednesday compared to what we saw in grains. Wasn't a terrible day, but was it a great day? It felt like at cattle and hogs. Uh, just your thoughts in general on livestock. I know we have another chart to look at as well, but overall, just to kind of set us up here, what was your general feeling of Wednesday's trade action in the protein sector? I think the futures market has done a good job of anticipating, I should say, the excitement in the cash markets. And now it's waiting for some cash news. And we can't get that much cash news yet coming back from the holiday. And it's still pretty opaque what kind of a holiday trade we had, Jesse. So I think the futures traders and the funds feel like they are long enough. And I think that's especially the case when they see that the pork cutout has hit levels down to December of 2021 levels now in the pork cutout this week. And we started to see the futures fall to the cash index at the CME. And we started to see the February hogs fill a gap on Wednesday's trade at around 79.10, 79.15 in the February daily hog chart. So now all of a sudden you've got the fat cattle at almost $80 premium to the hogs. You're waiting for that next weekly export sales. You're waiting for the WASDE numbers to give us fresh export data when it comes to 23, as well as fresh production data. So I feel like the market is, the cattle market in particular, I think is waiting for hogs or feeders to make a move. The feeder market is the big question mark. I think hogs are nearing the, their bottom at this point. Um, I think we're going to start seeing a lot better demand at the retail level for the pork, especially against chicken. Um, but I think the feeder cattle market is the one that really makes me wonder because we're still in the middle of winter, and yet we also have a lot of excitement already built into this market. Well, you set up the segue perfectly. I want to talk more about that feeder cattle market. You sent me over a chart here for the video feed, and I know just in general demand in this feeder cattle market has been fairly robust as of late. As you look at this chart, though, walk me through what you're seeing here and, and, and talk a little bit more just about your feelings in this feeder cattle market right now. Yeah, the, the big thing that I see in this in this chart is that that purple wedge, that triangle that we were just talking about, another chart where you've got a major wedge being formed and you're coming right to the point. So like you said just a minute ago, it feels like something's going to have to give in these markets. And so the very next thing I look at then are those highs back from 2014, 2015 that everybody seems to be talking about in the cattle markets right now. I can't see us getting to those price levels without a terrific winter storm and a real hit to the supply side. Why is that? Because back during that 14-15 price rally of 220 to 245 feeders, we had cattle rolling, we had hogs at 130, and we had corn at 365. And so this week, I think, has supported my analysis that 
feeders are still attached to the hip of the corn market and we started to see the feeders go negative on the week today and this monthly charts now negative on the month of January mainly because that corn market was able to bounce so if we would break that wedge that triangle and take out last month's low of 180 ish that's the that's the very next black uh, bar there at, uh, right closest to the price if we take 180 out you can see where we'd lose some support and then that orange trend line comes in around 170 so it would not shock me if we got a bullish report on corn from the USDA to see a quick $10 dip in the in the feeder cattle market and I do think that would probably put the kibosh on on a future rally in the fat cattle and I probably start looking at hedges for especially the April cattle given where they're at in price well, and I, I'm glad you brought up, you know, maybe a bullish report in corn and how that would play into feeder cattle here, Mike, because I, I wonder what could we see with some of those feed numbers from USDA. Uh, I, I'm just curious what what all that could look like on, on the report on Thursday if we see any big surprises there. I, I, I've heard a few other folks mention to me they might be looking at some of those feed numbers for for surprises in Thursday's report. Yeah, that's a really good point. I'm going to compare the feed number against the ethanol, and I think that's going to be the net-net between those two. We know the exports are probably going to be down pretty good um, because we just can't get those exports back from Brazil that they've shipped mm -hmm. to China. So that's that's a real big point. I think that's an excellent point you make is the, the line items and the grain stocks as well. Who's holding the grain stocks for the corn uh, when it comes to tomorrow's report? Is it going to be the commercial or is it going to be the farmer? I've seen a lot of trucks and heard a lot of trucks moving this past week. So I, I think the on-farm storage number is going to be lower than what we see tomorrow. It's going to be the commercial number that I really look at especially. Yeah, I've heard the same. A lot of farmers selling here the last couple of days. You know, it's it's amazing that calendar flips to a new year, Mike, and then all of a sudden those bin doors open up if we got good weather. I mean, you know, it's it's not to be it's not unexpected, I should say, this time of year. We're not acting like we made near record profits this past year. It seems like we're wringing our hands, and it's because we have so much uncertainty to look forward to. But one in the hand is worth two, or one in the bush is worth two, or whatever the saying is, one in the bush is worth two in the hand or whatever. It's, it's <laughs> go after the profit. <laughs> yes, yes, go after the profit. And that's part of why we talk on this show to try and help folks and explain these things to them. And, and every now and then we throw some humor and I got Mike to crack a little bit. Today. <laughs> and I flunked and I flunked college poetry and I'm proud of it. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, uh, before I let you go, I'll open the floor to you here. Uh, one final question. Any final thoughts you want to share with us here ahead of uh, the reports on Thursday? Anything else uh, top of mind for you or, or anything you want to reiterate here today? Yeah, I'll clean up my last point that I was trying to make. I really think it's important that we don't get caught up in what could happen we look at these numbers, we look at the charts at face value, and we make some simple decisions. Is this good money or not? And is there more downside since the numbers came out or not? And just leave it at that. And I think that's what I'm going to really strive to do with all the clients and subscribers I work with. Well, if folks want to work with you, Mike, I know they can reach out and uh, there's a lot of great uh, resources you have. What's the best way to get in touch with you? Best way is go to GlobalCom Research. It's GlobalCom with two M's, research.com. Having said that, I've had a lot of phone calls on the toll-free line here in the last month asking specific questions, wanting to have a visit. So call me at 866-471-2588. Be happy to have you here at the office or come out and meet you at your operation. 
Well, again, that website too, Globalcom with two M's, globalcomresearch.com. And with that, Mike Zuzalo, always a pleasure, sir. Thanks for joining us this week, and we will talk to you again next week. Thank you, Jesse. And once again, that is Mike Zuzalo with Global Commodity Analytics. Always appreciate his time and insight here on the show. Well, also coming up here after the break, we are going to get a visit from our good friend Brian Doherty of Total Farm Marketing as he joins us with analysis of the market trade on Wednesday and a preview of what we could expect coming up on Thursday with the WASDE Report, quarterly grain stocks, and more. We will get to Brian Doherty of Total Farm Marketing coming up here after the break as we're back with more. More market talk on the way right after this. Market information that matters to you on Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. And joining us now to discuss the market trade action that we saw on Wednesday. Normally, he joins us on Thursdays. We are uh, having him on the show today, though, with us. Our good friend Brian Doherty, Total Farm Marketing, is here. Brian, good uh, to have you on the show, sir. I hope you're having a good week so far. Yeah, Jess, we are. We're having a good week. we got a big report out tomorrow, so we're geared up, uh, getting geared up for that. That's the January WASDE report, mm-hmm. plus quarterly grain stocks report. Um, so there's a lot of numbers out when you think about it. So you're going to get a normal supply and demand report, quarterly stocks, and then you're going to get a good look at if there's any changes in the world numbers. And then when you break down the line items back to the domestic report, we'll see if there's any significant changes on the export numbers for corn. Um, the general feel is that USDA probably chips away again at that number just because we went another month without anything robust. All the numbers were below the weekly numbers needed to meet USDA estimates. So it would only seem to be logical that we'd expect that kind of a drawdown there. Yeah, and you mentioned it. So many numbers, just a data dump, quote unquote, from USDA. And with all those data points, we have to you know, think and keep in mind just the fact that we could see some surprises here or there just with so many different numbers being thrown at us from USDA on Thursday, Brian. Right. So where where is the surprise? So when you kind of really break down the numbers and or break down the perception of what the numbers might be, you got to ask yourself, well, do we really think we're building the livestock herd? Probably not. Um, the mm-hmm. USDA cattle on feed and hogs and pigs report would say we're contracting the herds. Um, the dairy numbers actually ticked up the last two months. So we got a little bit, dairy's an interesting industry. We've got responded to high prices, a few more cows, more production per cow, and overall more production. So you've increased efficiency and supply at the same time. Um, so maybe a little feed usage there. Maybe there's something in the poultry sector with recovery from bird flu. Uh, but don't look for any big changes there. So then we ask, what about the ethanol industry? Well, that's pretty pretty mature. Mm-hmm. We've had some slower grind numbers the last three weeks. Today's number was a better, but it's still slow. Um, but then this, the one that's got everybody scratching their head really is, well, why, you know, why the further west you get, why such strong bases? And why are they looking for corn? Yeah. And so maybe if there's a surprise somewhere, it comes in the form of quarterly stocks uh, and that maybe we, again, just, I say again, because it's been my feel that we've carried over too much into one year from the past. And that probably goes back to 2019 when the test weight was all, you know, just a, a hard thing to factor it down everywhere in the country and seemed like we just continued to see cash market recoveries ahead of futures since then. 
Well, one area that we seem to anticipate happening is Argentina with the drought concerns down there. We're anticipating maybe some cuts from USDA on the Argentina crop. One has to wonder how much will they be a little more conservative and have more in the February report. I know that train of thought has been out there as well, but uh, we don't expect we expect there to be some sort of cut from USDA on at least the Argentina side tomorrow, Brian. Some sort of reduction, right? You'd, you'd think. I mean, that's the the theme. Um, there may be a small increase to the Brazilian production. Mm-hmm. Not sure I can go that far because the very southern tier states in Brazil have had less than ideal weather. But yeah, that's where focus after this report uh, will be. It's just what does it look like in South America? Because that's sort of the linchpin between the world needing sort of the ration supply, or hey, it looks like we're going to get some increases and uh and that you know yeah argentina's a problem but brazil's going to have this bump up that'll kind of smooth that over and take care of it and that's probably why your corn market has been somewhat tepid is that you've got december corn trading today uh closing no change 589 and a quarter it wasn't that long ago we were trading over six and not too long before that over six and a quarter. So we're kind of on this slippery slope with the anticipation that that uh, I think world supplies, given production of the southern hemisphere, uh, keeps keeps uh, the world supplies, keeps the, the marketplace just enough you know, or just the time inventories, which is reflected in slow exports. So that's. Mm-hmm. That's right now where we're at. Now, fast forward 30, 60 days, and you know all bets are off. Tell me what the weather is going to really do, and then we'll tell you which price direction we're headed. Well, looking at all the numbers coming up on Thursday, a fairly positive money flow day in grains on Wednesday ahead of the report. If I'm a producer here, do I look at some things like maybe some short-dated options, some things like that, just to get me through the report here to help protect any risk? Yeah, so the encouragement is for producers to really, Jesse, take some time and kind of look and have good have to talk to people who can help you implement and give you the talk. Uh, so you mentioned the word short data. Not everybody knows what that is because it's relatively new, but it's options based on December corn futures. So it's the new crop, but you're buying a shorter time window. So good tool if you said, hey, I just kind of want to get through the report or the next month. You don't have to go out to December and, and spend uh, a lot of money on time value. Um, so so short data puts can establish a floor. And then the traditional options in corn or soybeans, as an example, are the, uh, let's say, March options. But there's what they call serial months. So there is a February option. That's a serial month right now. It expires from today, 16 days from today or two weeks from Friday. So those are good tools. If, you, if you're holding a lot of inventory and said, you know, I really don't want to you know, face a limit down move tomorrow or some big sell off and the funds dump and they find more corn and all that stuff. That would be a good approach to take into a report. And if you said, hey, I really need probably another, you know, 60 days or more, then then spend a little bit more, but get yourself out to, let's say, March options. They have 43 days, but probably take you out to May, get 99 days, get a lot of time there. Brian, how about that livestock trade we saw on Wednesday? Not as good of a a money flow day there. We were down moderately overall. I know these markets, it's been an interesting couple of weeks in both cattle and hogs. Any thoughts in the livestock trade anymore ahead of the uh, reports coming up on Thursday? 
Well, so so the reports coming up Thursday are, are really, uh, you know, tied into the grains and then into, of course, feed. So mm-hmm. um, I, I don't think there's much impact today. So I think where the bigger impact is on feed supply, feed usage, is what happens in South America. Um, the, the, the issue you're having in the western regions of the Corn Belt is it's still difficult to source corn, big basis levels. Yep. And and so, you know, probably stay hand to mouth if I'm a buyer of corn for now, um, because the odds I'm going to say favor good South American crop and good U.S. crop. But if you really are concerned going into a day like tomorrow, then we do the opposite of what we talked about. Then maybe we pick up some short dated calls for the new crop or maybe just some calls uh, February or March or May calls for this old crop. Um, What's going to be really interesting is if tomorrow's stocks report tells us anything that might affect the overall carryout then supply of corn. Um, but I, I can't help but I need to I need to kind of step back and take a look at the big picture. So average yield uh, looking at 172.5. Um, I don't think that's going to show any change, you know, from last very little change from uh, but the thing to probably watch for here is that quarterly stocks report and what kind of tone that sets. Um, right now, if you kind of calculate, Jesse, increasing acres in corn, increasing yield, and depending what these reports say, you, you can quickly kind of make the argument that corn carryout will push us toward or above $2 billion for next year. That's a healthy number. And so, again, I'm going to circle back to corn. Uh, if I'm a corn producer, recognize that March corn trading at 656 isn't as good as it was a week and a half ago. Mm-hmm. It isn't as good as it was in, in October when we're punching the $7 envelope. But if we compare it to where prices were a year ago, we're about 90 cents higher than on that particular contract than we were a year ago. So something to chew on there. Definitely. Well, Brian, always appreciate uh, some time and, and thoughts and perspective into the markets. And I know if folks uh, want to reach out to you there at Total Farm Marketing and get a little advice as well and, and talk to someone who could walk them through all the different things they have in front of them in the toolbox, uh, what's the best way to reach you, Brian? Best way, I, th- I, I still argue, is uh, the old-fashioned phone call. Uh, hopefully, you don't still have the rotary dial, but uh, <laughs> g- give us a call, 800-334-9779. Um, I, I'm sure a lot of your viewers will kind of chuckle at that. Remember the one phone in the house with the big cord, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so so phone call uh, is probably easiest, and then if I could uh, you know, argue, the, the next probably is uh, just send me an email, Brian with a Y. B-R-Y-N at totalfarmmarketing.com, and I'll make sure to respond. And then lastly, we'd be looking, uh, we're looking at uh, just going to our website. Lots of resources there, and you can click through and send me a message that way if you desire. And that website is totalfarmmarketing.com. And I remember that rotary phone in my house as well, Brian. I made I made a few calls on there, uh, collect calls to relatives that I probably shouldn't have when I was a little kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, you know, it's funny. Times have changed. I just heard something on the television the other day that at one point, I think there, I want to probably screw this up, 400 or 500,000 operators. And wow. now there's 
very few and those are being phased out so yeah that makes yeah, sense calling the old operator call zero and <laughs> <yeah. laughs> dial zero for help well hopefully folks give you a call if they need a little help with their grade and livestock marketing advice with that brian doherty total farm marketing always a pleasure sir have a great week we'll talk to you again next week okay thank you jesse have a great day and again, thanks to Brian Doherty, Total Farm Marketing, for joining us earlier in the show. Mike Zuzalo, Global Commodity Analytics as well. And our midday comments we get from Arlen Sudeman of StoneX. We appreciate all the time and analysis. Coming up tomorrow, Christy Van On, she sits with Van On and Company. Also, Kevin McNew, Farmers Business Network. They'll both join us as we recap the January USDA reports. It's going to do it for Market Talk today. Find us online, markettalkag.com. I'm Jesse Allen. Have a great rest of your day. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Why are more people heating their homes with FS Propane? Because it's better to work with a company that lives and works in the same community that you do. When it comes to the comfort of your family, trust FS. We have highly trained service professionals who monitor your system for proper operation, safety, and maximum efficiency so you can be sure that FS Propane will leave your family with a good, warm feeling all season long. Contact your local FS Propane specialist today. FS Propane feels like home. Visit fspropane.com for more information.